You're listening to Free Indeed Radio, the podcast from Free Indeed Ministries. Good to see everybody tonight. Go ahead and make your way in. We'll get started here in just a minute. And we'll be out right on time tonight at 7.30. And uh, we got the heat on just in case you're not feeling it any other way. And uh, we're going to have a great time tonight. Looking forward to uh, what God's going to do here. And so let's, uh, just a quick reminder, last week's session is on the, the church website. And um, also, this week's will will be on later, probably early next week. It'll be on there. And uh, I know some of you mentioned coming in that you listen to it, and and uh, so that's that's good. And uh, let your friends know about it too. So we're uh, we're really excited about tonight and looking forward to seeing what God's going to do. So let's have a word of prayer and we'll get started. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for this opportunity, God, that we have to just come together and tackle some things that some of us just have, we just don't understand. We don't get, we've had a hard time with, we've um, struggled. Lord, thank you so much for the freedom that we have to just love on people and to show people you, that we don't have to change anybody. You do that, and you do that through us and the love that we show and, and the grace that we extend. And, and just grow us in that area, challenge us, help us. Lord, don't let us leave here the same way. Uh, thank you for John and Brandon, and we just ask now that you'd fill them with your, your spirit and that you would speak through them and that you would uh, speak to us. And Lord, I ask that you'd speak to me, challenge me, help me, and do the same for the rest of us in here. God, we thank you so much for this opportunity and uh, just bless tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So can you hear us? There we are. Hello. Good evening, everybody. Thank you for being here. You can clap. We came on stage. Yay! They're here. They came back. They weren't afraid of the Baptists. It's okay. Those non-denominational people. What is that? So, you remember this guy, right? Say hi, Brandon. Hi, Brandon. <laughs> Who was not here last week? Can you just show of hands? Just a few people. Okay. Very well, cool. um, welcome. And bless you. Uh, if you didn't get one of these packets uh, from last week, we do have them. Uh, since there's only a few of you, we'll let you get them on the way out, okay? But I just want you to know they're available, and uh, so you can do that. For tonight, though, um, we've got a couple of sheets that we want to give to you. You did get one of them in last week's packet. Um, if we can have, Trevor, do you have anybody who can pass both of those out to everybody? And uh, does anybody have any questions that were lingering from last week that we can clarify or touch on before we get into tonight? Anything about our testimonies, our lives, nature versus nurture? So go ahead. Can homosexuality be taught? That is correct. Yes, it's possible. Do not automatically experience. Uh, yes. 
Let me say that for the camera. One, one thing that we also said was uh, not to assume there was sexual abuse in somebody who is same-sex attracted. That is correct. And? had anything to do with my life <laughs> I don't know God will have to share that with me when it's time could have been it could have been the thing that kept me from something else I don't know the question was uh, since I was sexualized very young is that what probably brought me to a lifestyle that I ended up in I'm sure it had a lot to do with it but was it everything I sincerely doubt it uh, I would say there's probably something that was going on you know Maybe even before I was born. You know, we don't know. So, but thank you for asking. So, uh, tonight, we're going to do a lot of conversation. Oh, one more question. I'm sorry, go ahead. What do you do when you have a child that's like two or three and they're saying that they're sexually attracted to you? Like, If you have a child who's two or three saying that they're homosexual, I'm not sure a two or three year old can really express that because in the, and we'll get into this next week, we're going to talk about it's just sex, isn't it? And that'll get into this whole transgenderism and all of that kind of stuff and we'll show you where the society is pulling that as a norm and we'll show you how to, to, to handle that. Yes. So come back next week. Right, so that was sin. That's okay. So the question was about our comment that even when you're in the midst of your sin, God still smiles on you, that God still loves you. And her concern is that at the cross, the father looked away from Jesus. Well, Jesus became the sin. And yes, he does look away. You can put a chasm between you and blessing. But because of the cross, God looks through looks at us through the blood of Jesus. The Bible says that you're the righteousness of God in Christ. And then in 1 John, he talks about how you're continually washed in the blood. So when the Father looks at you, he doesn't see you for the sinful nature that you still carry, your flesh. He sees Christ, his son who died for you, and that you have accepted the forgiveness that made you a new creation in Christ. Therefore, even if you're a new creation in Christ, you will still sin. So how can the Father look at you? Only through the perfect blood of Jesus. That's what we meant. So anyway, um, we're going to do a lot of talking about how to talk to people tonight. So we've really tried to uh, break this up to where it doesn't get overwhelming. Um, and Brandon's going to start with uh, an article I think you'll find very interesting and it'll be kind of a, a jump-off point for us tonight, okay? So, thank you, Brandon. Yeah. Um, this is an excerpt from a book by Kevin Alderson called Counseling LGBTI Clients. And uh, the context is talking about um, 
the nature of how uh, same-sex relationships operate, how they, and um, the, the statistics and logistics behind all of it. And we just found some interesting parts to bring up here tonight. Um, like their heterosexual counterparts, gay men ages 18 to 79 form close friendships with others who are similar to themselves in gender and race. They also form the majority of their friendships from the LGBTI community. Gay men, whatever their age, rely on friendships more than on family for social support, while the converse is true for heterosexual men. Contrary to popular heterosexual stereotypes, contemporary gay men do establish enduring intimate relationships. It's also the case that the more committed ones, or that the more committed one is in a relationship, the better one's sense of self and well-being. Studies of heterosexuals have shown that the married are the happiest group, obviously not including the 50% who have divorced. Followed by cohabiting heterosexual couples, followed next by those who are dating, and finally leaving singles as the least happy group. Is it any different for gay individuals who are in relationships? No, their story is pretty much the same. A recent study compared a large sample of heterosexual individuals with gay and lesbian ones. The happiest group was the married opposite-sex couples. There were no married gay lesbian couples in this sample. Cohabiting, although not married, gay and lesbian couples were as happy as cohabiting opposite-sex couples, but not as happy as the married opposite-sex couples. The least happy were the single people, regardless of their affectional orientation. Marriage seems to offer psychological insulation from daily stresses. According to one American survey, the majority of gay and lesbian individuals, 74%, would like to get married at some point. And a recent survey reveals that having legalized same-sex marriage helps gay and lesbian individuals see their relationships as more real and that it enhances their search for finding an ideal partner. Essentially, there's no difference between the relationship quality of same and opposite-sex relationships at, a, at uh, comparable levels of commitment. One American estimate suggests that approximately 28 of gay men are living with a same-sex partner. Regardless of affectional or sexual orientation, men are more likely to look for an attractive partner, whereas women place greater emphasis on their partner's personality. Same-sex partners are more likely than opposite-sex partners to remain friends after relationship dissolution. Another interesting finding is that lesbian, gay, and bisexual individuals are not as likely as opposite-sex couples to find same-sex partners who are demographically similar to themselves, meaning that they are like, less likely to seek partners of similar age, race, or socioeconomic status. Furthermore, same-sex relationships do not have a long history of legitimization, and consequently, there are not clear traditions or guidelines associated with what they should look like. This means same-sex couples have greater freedom to construct their relationships in a way that is mutually satisfying. Gay men in relationships have the most sex, lesbian couples the least, and heterosexual couples are somewhere in between. The amount of sex diminishes over time for all the relationships types, but in contrast to lesbian and hetero couples, gay couples become less monogamous over time. Research has also shown that same-sex relationships have a higher likelihood of ending compared to opposite-sex relationships. This finding is based on research comparing cohabiting gay and lesbian couples with cohabiting opposite-sex couples. It also occurs in countries 
Norway and Sweden, that have registered domestic partnerships, not marriages, since the 1990s. Um, and then he ends, he begins the next thought with one likely explanation is that most gay and lesbian couples are not raising ch children. Mm -hmm. And this remains a major reason why unhappy heterosexual couples stay together. Good job. Doesn't he read well? That was just, that, that was for me more than you guys. <laughs> so we just want to set a foundation so you know what we believe and, and, and where we come from. The foundation of what God has for relationship from just getting to know each other. And if you come next week, we're going to really hit the love, intimacy, and sex thing. But this is the foundation, and it proves out because this gentleman who wrote this is a gay professor. So if anybody was looking for the answer to be the other way around, it would have been him. Uh, yet he found that uh, obviously heterosexuals are more, uh, that are married, not just hanging around together, are, are more likely to stay together, you know, raise children, and be happier. So tonight, with that uh, in line, we're going to talk about how to talk to people. And I will be the person that you can talk to, okay? So as we go through some of this, remember that I'm from the life, and I can answer you. I can also be militantly against you, but we don't have to practice that. We'll just, we'll be nice and let you ask questions because it's going to challenge some of your beliefs as a Christian. It's, and not because we're going to bring a new theology, but we're going to just give you a new way of approaching people. How do you see them? How do you judge them? Because you do. How do you, in your first five seconds of assessment, decide that they're going to be in your mind so that it takes years, if any time at all, for them to actually change your mind, you see? So that's what we want to do. So, everybody ready? Are there any questions that came? By the way, you can still text questions if you'd like to. Um, but we're going to ask you to talk to us as well. And we'll be saying things out loud if you say them to us. I'm getting a secret note here. So, Okay. That's Brandon's note. So, let's start off with some, some common questions or things that you guys have dealt with and you want us to help you with. Someone I love just told me they're attracted to the same sex. What's your first reaction? Well, probably panic, right? Okay, so at least we've established that. Uh, but it's what's coming next, right? How about someone I love just told me they think they like the same sex? A little different than the first, but getting a little bit scarier. Someone I love just told me they are having sex with the same gender. Well, if you haven't passed out or run out of the room, um, good for you. Someone I love just told me that they are gay. That's the one that's really being pushed in your face and as you feel that it's being shoved down your throat. And we're going to talk about that as we get deeper into this. How about this one? Someone I love just told me that they are gay and they want help not to be. Can you stand in the place of Jesus and become God in the flesh for that situation? How about this one? Someone I love just told me that they're gay 
and they don't want to hear what I think God has to say or what you think God has to say. Now what? Now are you really angry? So, anybody have any responses to that or or thoughts on any of those different things? Have you ever dealt with some of those that you would want to share so that we can kind of... Because again, this is very a talkative conversation. We want to make sure you feel free to talk or share. Yes. I have a friend that's gay, and uh, he explicitly loves the lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And he's got a partner, and he's married. Mm-hmm. And he told me in my face that whatever God, I believe in God, I love him, and Jesus loves me. And he said that if, if it was God's will for him to go to hell because of his lifestyle, he would accept it. There's one response. <laughs> now what do you do? So what did you do? I just Did you say to welcome to hell? No, I, well, his last name's Hell, by the way, so that's kind of well, an honor thing. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> God works things out. Yeah, and so, <laughs> and so he, I just, you know, I just loved him, you know, because that's yeah. what he can do Good. when they make that choice. Okay. And again, you know, the style that you're presenting to us is a choice. Except mm-hmm. for when you're very young, like yourself, mm-hmm. and then you're introduced to it in a really not so great manner. Yeah. Uh, then you have a, from that youth up, you have a struggle. Yeah. And you have to deal with that struggle. And you do need people that love you in your life when you're in that struggle. And, and uh, <laughs> the church should be there for children and be able to see that happening to help those people the church the body of christ correct is that what you're referring to mm-hmm. okay not the building not, not the, the little building. programs that we have the people all of you that were so good to come out and listen to all of this and so now you're going to be able to so anyway wonderful thank you, thank you. and we'll, we'll go into more of that because i'm sure that there was some panic i mean this person laid it out there and closed the door now what do you do do you wait outside you know what do you do anybody with He's anything else If you remember, John, when this got started and I came up and introduced myself to you, I told you I had two friends. And this goes back 30 years ago when it was a different marketplace completely. Mm-hmm. One of them was a salesman, um, and he disrupted his whole family life. Uh, he sold to me as a contractor, and uh, we were very close. I did not know he was gay. And at the end, he was dying from AIDS and uh, just told people he had something medically really wrong. And I did go to his funeral. And as I told you, it was very strange back then. There was half Mm -hmm. the congregation was the gay community, half was the straight and the family. And uh, that was one incident I had. And and, uh, so I didn't even know really that he was gay until the end, but we had a good relationship. The other friend was in a church with us and fighting the battle, and he ended up marrying, and he came down with AIDS too. Um, he was very much trying to fight his way out of it and, sure. and going with the tools that were available and the sure. theories of the day then. Um, but uh, he ended up losing his life too. 
in, in that relationship, I knew he was gay, but, but you know, uh, we were friends, and, and I accepted him for who he was. Um, maybe because I had struggled with my own round of addictions and things sure. like that, so it was easier to, to have a little empathy for somebody in that situation. But, um, you know, I just, I just did the best I could in the relationship with him, and, and uh, I think he went to heaven, so... I, I, I would agree. Uh, well, I mean, based on what you said, I'll, I'll trust that God loved him that much, too. And, you know, it's hard because, you know, I was married, too, um, for eight years to uh, my wife and have two children, and now I have four grandchildren, even though I'm not that old. Um, and and it's, it, it's a tough thing because you look at that and go, well, what do I do now? I mean, you've done the ultimate. You put a marriage license on it. You're pretending to have good sex with somebody of the opposite gender. It should all be okay. And it's just not. So, um, in the moments when these things are said to us, we have a couple things hit us. It's how do I want to respond and how should I respond? And um, we want to respond in ways that make us feel good about ourselves. To be perfect, I mean, like, we want the other person to understand what we're saying. We want, to, we want the other person to understand what we're communicating, especially when it comes to Christ. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm guilty of saying the wrong thing with the absolute most right and pure of intentions. I'm guilty of that. I told, I don't know, some people who were here last week probably definitely wouldn't know because they weren't here to hear. But when I was talking about being with my brother and with uh, his biologist friends, honestly and from my heart, thinking that I was doing a good thing by saying what I was saying about gay people and how God saw them, I, I thought that I was standing on truth and I was being a good Christian by doing that. And really what I was doing was damage. Um, because I didn't have a question in my, in my mind about the how I wanted to respond being the how I should respond. Because, you know, we're always told to stand on the truth. When somebody tells you something, you have to stand on the truth. You can't let them, you know, go off a cliff. If somebody's headed for a cliff, then you've got you to gotta stop them. Otherwise, you know, you're not speaking the truth in love. How many are familiar with that ideal, that statement? Yeah. That is good churchianity. Okay? And well-intending people have said that and used that unknowingly to themselves to crush people. Now, not to say that we are not called to stand on the truth as Christians because that's just silly. The word is the authoritative, unmoving, eternal word of God. And we stand on that. That's the truth. But we also have to look at things not from our perspective. My, my favorite um, illustration is we tend to look at people who deal with things that we don't deal with and um, other people's lives and lifestyles as from being street level in New York City. 
looking at the different skyscrapers, man, that guy's just got it together. He is, what a rock star. You know, the, the guy just loves Jesus. It's awesome. And you see a little two, two-story motel that's on, you know, behind another big building that's got a dumpy view of the water, you know, the paint's peeling off. And we just don't understand what's going on in their life because we don't deal with the same thing. And so we, you know, we automatically, in our heads, it's just the way that we're wired, we think, man, that guy is just a mess. That guy's sin is so bad. Mm-hmm. God's at 36,000 feet in a, in a jetliner going, look at a bunch of squares. Look at all those little squares of the same shape, dimension. We're all the same to him. And um, we, get, we get caught up. D- did I tell the story of uh, my barber friend? Because this will illustrate it pretty good. I have, I have a barber friend. His name is Jason. And he's bald. <laughs> bald barber. Ha, <laughs> irony. Um, and he has a customer who comes in. And he was, you know, grew up through the 50s. And he was... You know, he's, he's an older gentleman, went through the Navy. Um, you know, he'd probably seen war at one point in his life. But the guy just seeped hatred from his body. Mm-hmm. When, when, you know, they have the TV going and, anyth- and they usually have it on the news. And um, something about gay people would come on and he would just go. Oh, I can't believe it. Ruining our country. And God, I just hate them. And just unabashedly. And Jason is a, is, is a guy who stands kind of where we stand. We want, we want to love people. But with this guy's hatred, Jason found himself starting to hate this guy because he had loving gay people down pat. And he was pissed at this guy because he didn't. And so he ended up doing the same thing that this guy was doing. That's how easy pharisaical thinking slips right into our minds. It is so easy. You've got to have grace for people who don't have grace. And so, isn't that crazy? He approached me one day after I played worship and just told me that story. And it blew me away because I was like, my God, that is so us. <laughs> Alcoholics have lots of grace for other alcoholics. Cheaters have lots of grace for other cheaters when they find, when they find God's grace. Mechanics have grace for mechanics because they know how hard it is to work under the hood in the sun. And if a guy throws a tool and lets out a swear word, <laughs> it's okay, I get it. But somebody comes out and says, I'm gay, and everyone loses their mind. Because we don't deal with it. Because we don't understand that struggle. We're not from the inside. We don't know how to relate. We don't know how to talk to that person. And so we just automatically flip to the things that other people who don't understand this person have told us to say to understand this person and pretend like we do. And we stand in that in confidence and call it truth. When we have no idea what we're saying. And it's just amazing. It's amazing that when you see that for what it is... You can actually rise above it. You can rise above what you were taught to believe. You can rise above what you were taught 
in our culture to abhor and hate just because you don't understand it and realize, wow, these are just people too. And that's what tonight is about. Um, more often than, than not, we talk to people about that first encounter, like talking with somebody, oh, by the way, I'm gay, boom, and a wall goes up. Because there's an offense there. Because we don't understand, like, wow, you just revealed something about yourself that I don't understand and I can't relate. So I'm going to dig out everything in my tool belt that's related to gay stuff and hope that something works. Hope that I can still affect you for Jesus because I really, really want to. I'm scared and I want to affect you for Jesus. The first one gets in the way. The second one's really, really good. We want to affect people for Christ. We, were just, we just haven't been taught how. And so when that offense comes up, you see the person at, at first. The offense comes up. And then you try to minister to the offense instead of minister to the person. You skip right over the person and try to minister to their sin instead of minister to where they are. Has that ever worked for anybody? I mean, just to, you know, minister to people's sin and healed them of sin or something? I don't know. And so... Um, you can't be healed of sin. You are a sinner. We all are. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. And so we have to deal with people in the way that Christ deals with us. And that is, Christ will sit with us in our filth no matter what it looks like. Whoever has been in here and was an alcoholic or into drugs or the occult or into a hard, fast lifestyle of sex, whoever grew up through the 60s and was part of the free, free love and hippie movement, all that, Jesus was with you at your darkest, deepest points of delusion and sin and love of sin. He was. And you know that. But for some reason, we get kind of tongue-tied when we, when we think that he thinks that way of gay people, just because it, it's so in front of everyone. Yes, sir. Please do. We want to keep this conversational. Hang on, Steve. I guess I just need to clarify for myself. You know, we're, it wouldn't be just a, if, a, if somebody I knew loved came up to me and, and announced that they were gay... Let's say it was my son. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to be shocked. Sure. And I might, you know, I, I'm not even sure I could distinguish between ministering to them at that point and ministering to their sin. But I would react in a very similar way if they announced to me that they had a heroin addiction mm-hmm. or if they were going to jail for some sort of crime or whatever else. It's, it's, it's a sin. It's wrong. I'm, what I, I guess I want to try to ask is, do you treat, and we're talking about homosexuality tonight and, and how we react, mm-hmm. but I, I mean, I think that I would react in a very similar fashion, not just against the gay lifestyle. But because be- it's something but big. But because it's something that, because it's something that, yes, it, it offends me, it's something that goes against God. And it's someone who's close to, to Somebody that that's close love. to that person, yeah. you know, and so you, yeah, I mean, it, it, that's a tough thing, but my, my real point, I guess, is to clarify is, is it any different? I mean, is it really any different if somebody comes up, to, if, if my son came up to me and said, well, and it is different. Gay. It is different because a drug addiction can be overcome 
homosexuality or gay identity is who I am and you can't overcome me to me and expect me to follow what you think I have to do that's where we're at that's where Brandon's kind of in the middle of this so there is a difference because this isn't just an addiction this isn't I hurt somebody or I beat somebody up or I robbed a store this is who I am and I want you to accept me the way I see you as knowing who you are through and through so that's where it gets different the difference the difference and the the similarity is that it's something big that's affecting someone you love and you want to protect them you want to help them and you want to instruct them and lead them in righteousness the difference is um, and a similarity is that with different lifestyles different I guess levels if you wanted to say of someone's involvement with something um, like I, you know, you're probably, your son's probably not going to come up to you and say dad I just really really want to shoot heroin like, I don't know, I just wanted to do it for so long, and I don't understand, but I just, I just want to slam. I just want to push off. But with, with sexual identity things, and you're in a place of, of trust with somebody, and they lay that in front of you, Dad, I, I like guys, I think. And I'm not sure what's going on. It's a completely different conversation than, Dad, I'm gay. I've been gay since the day I was born. I know what you think. And that's my boyfriend sitting in the Pathfinder outside, and we're going to L.A. That's a completely different conversation, too. But in, in the context of dealing with someone you love coming to you and saying, I think I might be gay. There, there are kind of knee-jerk reactions that, that we have that we'd like to kind of address and break through. And um, the first one being the knee-jerk reaction to tell them that it's wrong. Now, bear with me on this, because I probably stepped on a lot of toes there. You have to tell them it's wrong. Otherwise, they're not going to know. Well, no. If you know Christ, and if they've been at the church at any length of time, they understand full well that gay sex is wrong. But what they don't understand is that the attraction itself is just something that they're going to have to deal with right now. It's not something in them that makes up their being that is inherently, in and of itself, you are sinning by being gay, son. So you need to stop. And that's, that's kind of where we want to go. Like, well, let, let's fix it. Um... So that's, that's kind of the trouble that we had. Yes. Hang on just a sec, Mark. I was listening um, to a speaker on the radio today, and he put it really well. Um, 
it's like a missionary that goes to um, a people group that are ca cannibals. Mm -hmm. I mean, they eat people. And so as missionaries, you go in and you say, oh my gosh, you guys, that's a sin. You can't do that. Well, they're either going to eat you for dinner or they're, you know. Yeah. Um, but as missionaries, we don't do that. We go over and we show actions of love. And that's kind of what you're saying there. It's not. Exactly. It's, it's the actions of love. And, and I'll share where I screwed up um, with working on, with people on the street through a shower truck ministry. Um, mm -hmm. I see some homosexuals and have built a relationship with one of the moms. And I was taking her out to lunch one day before we were leaving for Maine just to see her before I left. And um, she told me in the car on the way, she said, oh, my son just told me today he's gay or lesbian, whatever, gay. Okay, yeah. He'd <laughs> be a rough lesbian, let me tell right, you. Right, I know. And, and so I was like, oh, okay, where do I go with this? We'll and, talk about and, that in week three. And, you know, and I know her son. And I see him, and, and I said, you know, I really like your son. He's a great guy, and I really love him. And this is where I screwed up. And I wish I could take back the words. Mm -hmm. And I messed up big time. I said, you know, I really like Isaac. He's a great guy, and he, I just really care about him. I love him. Um, but I can't agree with that lifestyle. And I, wish, I just wished I could have sucked those words back, but I couldn't. Yeah. And I had to explain. I said, I am so sorry I said that. You know, I, and so I, I did kind of what you're saying. I blew it. But our actions, well, thank we you need for to sharing. love them. Thank That's you very wonderful. much for sharing. And please don't take what we're saying as you bunch of mooks. Please yeah. don't, don't take this and what we're doing and explaining the pitfalls of some of the things that we say as us con condemning you. Because, right. hello, chief of sinners right here. Uh, I, was, I was right there. But it's, it's about learning. And God uses all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And you are. So don't worry about what you've said. Know that God has it and we're moving forward. Um, yes. A few minutes ago, John, uh, you, you spoke of being gay, that's who I am in terms of identity. Being what? I'm sorry. Being gay. Yeah. That's who I am. That's my identity. That's my personhood. Um, are, and this is just strictly information. Are there gradations of the intensity of that identity thing? For, for heterosexuals. <laughs> I don't know if there's a in no gradations. <laughs> gay intensity chart. Um. <laughs> In other words, Actually, though, no, but it's a very good question, believe it or not, because when we began last week, we divided and made clear the people who are same-sex attracted versus the people who live throughout the lifestyle all the way to the point of transgender or attempting to become what you think you need to be. So in that sense, yes, because you might talk to somebody uh, that's married and has got his children or grown and gone and they've got children and then he says to you you know I've been same sex attracted my whole life but I've never done anything about it and until I heard these guys tell me that I could be free from that and that God loves me anyway and that that was never a part of who I was you know um, 
he still suffered or she, because we see that a lot. So is there a gradation? It's not really a chart, but is there different levels of guilt and shame? Absolutely. And um, to put a face to the name in, in that question that I really like to use to illustrate is, um, has anyone ever done any work with the deaf community in here? The deaf? So, those of you who have, there's a, a difference between being big D deaf and little d deaf. Has anyone ever heard of that? Mm. Big D deaf people refuse cochlear implants, sometimes even develop their own uh, dialects of sign language. They, they are, I am deaf. This is who I am. You can't take it away from me. It was given to me, my gift, my, my thing to bear. It's who I am. Little d deaf, deaf people would just be like, I can't hear. Same thing with the gay lifestyle. Big G gay people are the guys who are like, I've got the fancy pants and the nice hair and sometimes I put a little mascara on in the morning and, you know, like, you're going to accept me whether you like it or not because this is me and you're going to like it. I am gay. I am gay. Gay is who I am. Little g gay people are, I just like dudes. <laughs> If that helps. <laughs> we like to use that one. So there, there is a difference. There's a difference. So we've talked a little bit about that. So let's talk about more specifics, like what to say and what not to say. Go ahead. You know, I, I've been around a lot of addiction and addicts, and addicts say they're not addicts. And uh, my perception of a lot of friends and acquaintances and relatives in the gay community is that they're addicted to intense sex. That's a sexual mm -hmm. addiction. And I think it's an excuse to say it's an identity. Would you comment on that? Yeah, that would be not true. That would be short-sighted because if you don't have an identity in Christ, then you identify with whatever and whoever you are and what you think you are, what you've been raised to believe you are. So you were raised to be whatever and you identified with that whatever, straight, white, whatever class person and that puts you in a place where you believe. Uh, in the case of, you're right about the sexuality because it even stated it in the article that, that gay men are more promiscuous than any other uh, sexual identified group out there. And I can attest to that. That's very true. Um, but to just simply try to categorize it as uh, sex addiction is not fair to the person. And, and that's, again, why we want to help you to talk to me. Because what you just said is all I had was a sex addiction and as long as I got over it, I was okay. And that's not true. I believed that this is who I was and this is who I needed to be and this was where I would find my happiness because I couldn't change it. And you see, there was nobody out there to help offer any hope or reasoning. And because God doesn't come down and magically 
change that in most people, I still had an identity crisis. So it's very much a part of who you think you are. And when you get to know the Lord and walk with him, it's still a tough part. So if you still kept treating me, I I can't imagine that somebody would keep coming and asking you for help about their identity if you just keep telling them you're just addicted to sex because that's kind of short-sighted. So, but I appreciate what you're saying because it's an attitude that we need to talk about. Again, that's going right straight to the lifestyle. And you I don't com- think that, that you were trying to make a blanket statement about people. Yeah, you did. No, that's my identity. I can't help it. I'm short-sighted. You know? Right. No, it's not what I said. I said when you uh, have it pinned down that people who are gay have a sexual addiction, and that's all it is, because that's what you said, because you talked about it in an addictive place. I said it's short-sighted because you're not ministering to the person. You don't know how it came about. You don't know that they are sexually addicted. You don't know that. That's completely unfair because many people, like I just said, go through life attracted. Some people don't have tons and tons of sex, but that's the one thing that they do the one thing that they stick with, and then we'll talk about this in week three and four, especially when we get into gay Christianity, you know, how do people stay in a, in a relationship like that and yet, of course, claim Christ? If you don't have a claim to Christ with true salvation, um, meaning that you understand what that means, then you're going to identify with whatever you were raised to believe that you are. That's all I'm saying. And if we're not answering your question... Please, please stick around so that we understand what you're saying uh, more fully because yeah. this isn't about pointing out flaws in people's thinking. It's about we're here to help. And yeah. so if we're not hearing what you're saying, we're a little pressed for time. We need to get going a little bit. So please stick around. We'd lo- I'd love to talk to you. Yeah. So let's talk about the things that we don't want to just throw out at people. Like God hates the sin but loves the sinner. That's a really popular one. Um, anybody hear that as a good thing to say? Because some people do. Because what did you say? If I identify with my sin, then you just told me that God hates me. So once again, we've ended the conversation before it's begun, right? So that's why we want to be careful in all of these scenarios. What do you do? How do you receive them? One question that we do want you to take home, learn this question, especially when it comes to um, the part about what do you, when the person comes to you and says, I say, Brandon, what do you think uh, about me? What do you think God thinks about me? Well, we want you to say back to that person, what do you think God thinks about you? It's a huge question, and it changes the tone. It changes everything about that conversation. So let them tell you what they think you think. Get the preconceived notion stuff out in the front because that's usually what you're going to get. Because if it was me and I was asked that question, I'd say, well, you probably think that God hates me and I'm going to hell and I'm an abomination. So you think the same way. So I'm not sure why we're having this conversation. So now you have all of the, the battle plan and the weaponry of the person who's hurting. And that to me sounded like somebody who just needs to know God is love, not... God is destruction and death, right? Sin is death, not God. 
So that's where you can really open this conversation and say, well, um, you know, start asking back to them about the love of God. Well, have you ever felt God's love? What do you think about when we say God loves you? What do you think about that? Get their preconceived notions and, and thoughts out on the table. You'd be surprised because like we teach, everybody wants to know Jesus. Did you know that? I, I don't care where you are in this world. Everybody wants to know Jesus. They just don't know how to get there. So all kinds of things happen to keep them from it. And then when you come along, you're the light of the world. You're the grace in the room. Uh, you abound over sin. All of these things are for you. God is for you, not against you. So let's not be against the people that need to be on God's side, right? Let's bring them to their own conclusion and show them where they can be loved and how you don't have the preconceived conclusion. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Sounds like you could go to hell. I don't know, but I don't know what to do for you. Like, for example, um, just real-life examples, real-life conversations find out somebody's gay and they find out you're a Christian, well, what does God think of me? Mm-hmm. I think God loves you a lot. I think he loves you a lot and I think he's super proud of you and that he wants you to know him deeply and that he wants, he's got such an awesome plan for your life that you can't even fathom how good he is. And contrary to popular belief, He's for you, not against you. How disarming is that? What does God, what does God think of me? <laughs> he likes you. How often do we respond like that? How often do we respond to ourselves that way? You wake up in the morning and think, Ugh. Well, God... I haven't been greedy, I haven't been slanderous, I haven't been hateful, but I also haven't gotten out of bed yet, so I'm really close to not liking myself. What a difference would it make if we woke up understanding that God likes us all of the time. That when you are covered in the blood of Christ, God, even before that, God liked you enough to die for you. I mean, anyone can love somebody. Anybody can love me. Because love is an action. It's a choice. But to like somebody, that's a different story altogether. Because that means I like you. I want you I enjoy you. I want to be around you. Because you are awesome. Tell tell people that God thinks of them. Tell yourself that God thinks of you that way. Wake up in the morning and say, God, you like me. And you like everybody who I come in contact with. Let me communicate that to them. Let me communicate that you don't just love us. Your love is so incredible that you like us when we are so unlikable. And, um... and remember this, the only difference between 
somebody who doesn't know the Lord and those of us that do is that we've accepted the forgiveness and, and what Jesus did on the cross. They want to accept that. They just don't know how. They want to be forgiven, but they don't know what that feels like, and it's scary. And they're so used to being shoved in the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. By or they have to... that God doesn't like you, God doesn't want you because of this thing that's going on in your head, then what motivation are we giving them to move towards him? What Does motivation that make sense? are we giving him to move? And God's plan doesn't mean squat to me if he doesn't like me. If he doesn't love me right now, if he doesn't like me for who I am, your opinion doesn't matter, God's opinion doesn't matter, go away. And that's, that's how sensitive people's hearts are in this area because from their perspective, we are God-vending machines and sin calculators saying your sin is too great for me to continue to do life with you. And, but, but that's not what we're saying. We want to love people and it's just coming out all jumbled because it's just what we know. And that, you know, those situations where it's, it's just scary or we're operating out of fear or anger from a past experience or something like that. But when we communicate complete, 100% total acceptance, you cannot screw up. Yeah, but they'll, they'll go do it to, tonight. They, my son who just came out to me might think that I'm telling him it's okay to go have sex with boys. No, that's not what you're saying. In saying, I love you a lot. God loves you a lot. And nothing about you has changed to me. Our relationship has not changed, period. I will be where you need me to be. I will be where you will let me stand. And I will stand with you until the end. That's, that's what we need to say. That's where we need to be. Because that's where God is with us. All it is, is giving yourself permission to do what you already know how to do. That's it. You already know how to stand with people who are, who are difficult. You know how to stand with people who you don't understand. You know how to talk to people that you don't get. One, because you have the Holy Spirit in you. And two, because you have your own experiences that have brought you so low that you couldn't see daylight. And that's... That's where God's power is mm-hmm. in communication for others. Oftentimes, parents' hopes get crushed because their child comes out to them. And um, they feel like an absolute disappointment. They identify as a disappointment. That's how they see themselves. From that point on. And that goes for, did you hear that? That was not just the person that said I'm gay. That's for the parent, too. The, pale, the parent the one identifies as a failure. Yeah. So we want to make sure that we lift those people up, too, right? Mom and dad are important. Or whoever it might be. It might be a foster parent. It might be a grandparent. Who knows? I was talking with somebody last night who um, 
was telling me about somebody who just gave their virginity to some jerk who just doesn't care. And she felt so guilty and so terrible. And she's like, I guess this is a wake-up call. And I was like, to who? Like, to me, because I need to be a better friend. And I need, to, I need to do more for people. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Who do, who do you think you are? How powerful do you think you are? God is big enough to take care of somebody. And she's like, yeah, but if I, if I would have said this, then they wouldn't, have done, they wouldn't have gone and done this. Excuse me. You don't know that. Mm-hmm. Nothing in scripture points to that. Nothing about life points to that. What you're doing is taking the responsibility of somebody's reaction to life and something, their reaction to what they believe about themselves and it's manifesting in chasing after someone's approval because you feel worthless. Who's, who's, whose responsibility was that? Not yours. So your kid goes off into the gay lifestyle. You know what? Their choices are not your responsibility. I don't have kids of my own, so I don't know the depth of pain that that statement holds, but I know that the truth of it holds and rings like a bell. That you are not a failure as a parent when your child says that, you're, that they're gay, or that when somebody who you love says to you that they're gay. If anything, that moment is such a beautiful exchange. Here's something in my heart I have been struggling with, and I've finally worked up the courage to tell you because I've been so afraid of your disappointment in me. I've been so afraid of your rejection. I've been so afraid of you looking at me differently. But here in this moment, you didn't give that to me. You gave me acceptance. You gave me 100% love and said that you would stand with me. You didn't say that I need to stop. You didn't say that I need to shape up or ship out. You didn't say that God doesn't like that. You said, I love you, and I'm going to stand with you. We're going to get through this together. We're going to learn how to hold each other up. Did you know that it's okay to say that? It's okay to say that you don't get what somebody is going through. And it's okay to ask their forgiveness ahead of time if you say something that offends them. I have to do that sometimes. I had somebody call me from Virginia whose brother came out as gay. And I said, um, she was so terrified of saying something wrong. So terrified of it. And I was like, okay, one, ask the Holy Spirit to control your words. And rest in that and know that you're okay. Two, Lay it in his court. Say, you know what? I don't understand what you're going through, but I want to. And I want to help any way that I can. So please, 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 if I say something that hurts you, don't hold it against me. Don't shut me out because I need to be here. I want to be here with you. And I want to understand what I don't understand because I want to understand you and I like you. I want to be with you. I want to know you. 
and chances are when you're done with that conversation you won't understand them because you don't know what it's like to feel it right you don't know what it's like to be same-sex attracted or to 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 be identifying as gay but just the fact that you were willing to stay in the conversation tells me that you care enough about me that you're willing to let me share a little bit more of my truth and then you'll start to hear a little bit more of my pain because you weren't afraid of that and because you love me enough to to love me through that and then I'll share you know you can share with them a little bit of what you went through and the struggles as a kid and growing up and you know just share life together because you see the Bible says to bear one another's burdens as Brandon was saying it doesn't say you're responsible for them that means to stand there with them and be willing to fight we are in the army of God it's throughout the Bible he uses that tremendously do you have my back do you have somebody else's back you know what I mean so we, we want to just encourage you to stay in the conversation that's where we're going that you don't have to know what you don't know you just have to let people talk to you and show the love of Christ and let God take it from there God is much more powerful than most people believe you see people believe that God's only as powerful as the last word you left them with and that's a lie because your last word may have been ineffective hurtful really nice or it fell on deaf ears so then what and then if you don't see me again ever or for a long time how do you know what took seed God is in control God is the one who makes the change nobody in a church told me anything that got me to where I am today when I was on my pathway out of the lifestyle it was God and his power there was a question I didn't see oh just in terms of the initial comment to them when they when they reveal themselves I'm thinking of two experiences that I've had with gay folks where I think the Holy Spirit and you know just put it there to not even say anything but to hug yeah the power of a hug initially because we're not in a debate we're not in even a discussion right. we're about expressing love and a, and a word free hug can be pretty powerful to, to start the conversation and then we move from there into yeah And acceptance doesn't mean that you agree with everything that they do if I accept you it doesn't mean I accept you it doesn't mean I agree with your opinion but I still accept you and I'm willing to have a conversation with anybody I accept you for who you are maybe you're caught in pornography I still accept you we can still talk we can be friends but it doesn't mean that I'm gonna go home with you and watch porn and try to talk you out of it or help you find a better site I mean give me a break that's not what see and the church has it and I mean the people we the people kind of get into that mindset that oh if I accept them then it, it, it's like I'm filming them in bed it's like, no no one's asking you to do that we're asking you to accept them to love them to to uh, love the life and not the lifestyle that's what we're saying yeah, um, that, that's a really huge one. Um, friendship with somebody doesn't mean that you condone what they do. You have friends who do stupid stuff, 
you don't agree with it, but you're still friends with them because you love them, right? Like, I have friends like that. And guess what we don't talk about all the time? And guess what I'm not waiting for an opportunity for? To point out exactly how they need to change. Because I trust that through me just being there, a presence in their life, the opportunity, the conversation, whatever the Holy Spirit has in mind for this person is going to arise, whether he puts it in my heart to bring it up or not. And guess what? More often than not, it's not. And that's okay. Because, and again, acceptance does not mean condone. And guess what? You don't have to lead with that either. Oh yeah, no, I know, I accept you. I just don't agree with your lifestyle. That's not acceptance. That's, that's leading with your rejection of a part of this person already and making them aware that you're only going to get so close to me because there are just fundamental differences that we can't cross. And another thing, just to give you guys a break, to give us as the church family a break, um, disagreeing does not mean hate either. Mm-hmm. Okay? Absolutely. This is a two-sided coin. So when they stand up there and go, oh, you hate us. Well, no, I just disagree. And it's okay for you to stand on that. Hopefully you don't get riled about it. But Absolutely. Because remember, sin does what sin does. Sinners are going to sin, Right? There is no concept of what you have and how you can reconstruct that or what God has done to change your life, your mind, your attitude, your heart. You are a new creation. You are under the, the law of liberty, James says. I think I brought that up last week. Act like it. That's what we're saying. Let's be the liberty in Christ that we are called to be and let God be God in their life. I'm sure you'd make a wonderful God, but pretty much you suck at being a human, so let's let God be God, right? We all do. <laughs> We're a mess. Someone had a question mark. Oh, I was just going to ask Not for a question a, mark, but question. I have a question mark. You, Brandon, you mentioned that uh, you, know, you, you might have friends who are involved in other sin sure. in their life or anything else, and you wouldn't necessarily feel obligated or urged to point that out to them you know you kind of let the holy spirit or your lifestyle take care of that and i I think i'd take issue with that a little bit because i do think that we are called to admonish one another and to you know again you have to do it in love you have to you know hopefully somebody that you know well enough to know how to approach them that way and and all of those things but i but i i do absolutely think that we have an obligation to the people that we love to uh, point these things, you know, where they might, where they might be falling into sin. I certainly hope that uh, people will do that to me and try to surround myself with people that will point that out. And I mm-hmm. have regular conversations. And you know what? I completely agree with you. Yes. I didn't say anything to the contrary. Notice, I said, what I said was, I count on the Holy Spirit wherever I'm at to bring it up for me to say or to not. And my experience is, more often than not, it's not. I did not say that I don't do that. I did not say that I don't call people on their sin who are within the faith. 
Because um, that's who we're to speak the truth and love to. Like, dude, come on, get it together. You have Christ within you. You don't have to live in this sin anymore. Mm-hmm. Stop. Sometimes the Holy Spirit does use us to bring to light sin in people who are not Christians' lives. Sometimes he does. Um, and we're there in whatever role we're called to be. It's not supposed to be our default, though. And I firmly believe that. And something key that you said, Steve, was that you had a relationship with the person. And that's absolutely right. If you have a relationship with a person, not only are you going to be able to speak to them, they're going to ask you. Remember I said that last week. I will tell you what's wrong with me if I think you're going to care about what's wrong with me. So we are saying the same thing. But like Brandon said, we don't want to use that as the the diving board. You don't want to start with um, the Bible as a hammer. You know what I mean? Let them come to you and then open up in love uh, to, to what God would have you do. So, and, and all that's individual, so we don't want to get hung up on that. We've got to move on to our other sheet of paper, too. So, Go ahead. But if, if we're in a relationship and we're constantly looking for the things, looking for things to point out in, our, in that person, are we truly loving them? Exactly. That's, I actually was going to say something about that. When you have a friendship with somebody, are you constantly looking to point out their character flaws to them? Are you always aware and trying to scrutinize them to point out what's going on? What kind of a friendship is that if we're to operate that way as the body? There's a difference between being discerning and being scrutinous. So a couple questions that were texted in. Um, I have a family member who is straight but is greatly supportive of the gay lifestyle and attends a church that supports the gay lifestyle. They believe that anyone who does not support it is a bigot. How do I respond? I'm out. (laughs) I'm a bigot. (laughs) You know, boy, that's a good one. But you know what? They're going to do, we, like we said, they're going to do what they're going to do, right? And we'll get into gay Christianity week four. But, um, because there's a lot to say to that. But if that person is going to keep going there, then they're going to keep going there. They're not going to come here because you guys are all reserved and, and you have a straight white dude and there's nobody else that looks any different. And, you know, they're going to come up with whatever. So how do you respond? Hey, what's the Lord doing for you? Why don't you talk about that? Why don't you talk? Do you guys? Well, yes, you do. Gifts of the Spirit. Ask them, hey, how's the Holy Spirit changed your life? What's God doing for you? When people come to my free, our free indeed gatherings, I said my, I didn't mean that because it's us, but um, the first thing we want to know is what's the Holy Spirit done in your life this week? Tell me one thing. You don't have to have a life-changing week. Just tell me that you didn't get mad at somebody that you keep getting mad at. What was the one little thing that you heard the Holy Spirit's voice tell you and compel you? You see, we don't say once you're saved that the Holy Spirit convicts you because he doesn't. He reveals. He convicts the sinner. The only thing a righteous person is convicted of is, the Bible says, righteousness. So when you get revealed by the Holy Spirit, then you grow because you give up the things of the flesh, right? 
So that's what I would do in that case and just see if they're really growing. Because let me tell you something, if they really do know the Lord or, you know, the Holy Spirit's working in their life and using you to make that question, oh, that's going to be uncomfortable. <laughs> it's going to be rough to keep going to that church and going, I'm not changing. God's not doing anything. People are all just getting gay. No one's getting saved. <laughs> what is that? Go ahead, Mark. I have, I have one more. And just for the record, we also have a straight Asian dude here, too. Not just straight white. That is so unusual. We're going to talk about transgenderism next week. <laughs> In the Asian community, I should have finished that. <laughs> oh, geez. Okay. Uh, um, second question. My good, play piano, too. My good friend struggles with same-sex attraction. Recently, she has decided that she will never be with a man and is trying to decide what that looks like for her. She genuinely loves the Lord and is looking for loopholes in the word to justify her choice. Her main question is, if God is love, why would he deny me the freedom to truly love someone? Please, please, please come back next week. That's because the topic. <laughs> we are going to talk exactly about that. We're going to talk about somebody's hope in same-sex attraction, somebody's uh, future in it, what it looks like, what it doesn't look like, what it could look like, and where you can stand, where you can't stand, and God's plan for their life, and yeah. So please, please come back. And if you wrote that question and you don't think you'll be able to come back, please come and see us afterward and we'll give you a direct answer. So we didn't finish this one page because you guys are amazing and thank you that, that we couldn't. But we want you to just kind of see the, what we quickly, what we had to say. Matthew 24, 34, and 35. Just stick with that part. This is the part where Jesus gave. What you did to the, for the least of them, you did for me. Leave it there. I mean, I know if you keep going, it, he talks about the negative side of the coin or the, the other side of this coin. You live here and make sure everybody in the world knows it. Make sure the world wants you to make sure they don't go to hell and bend. Make sure the world is coming to you going, you are so different. You like all those freakish people that I, what is wrong with you? Aren't you Baptist? And you go, yeah, no, I'm not. I'm Jesus. I'm a believer in Jesus. I am a Christian. I am, a, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am love in the flesh. So anyway, well, that felt good, a little preachy. Uh, so isolation and rejection, of course, is the wrong response. Jesus never did either of these. Jesus always blessed first. Go back and read your testaments and see what he did. Before he ever really talked about anybody's sin, he did something nice for them. They, they knew that he was the good guy. They knew there was a reason to stand before him and to trust him. And, and that's what we need to be. Uh, then he sent them on their way. Jesus invited all, like we say here. And he loved without regard to what other people thought of him right to his death, right? Because what other people thought of him was that he should be killed because he was just too good to be true. You should be that person. Are you just too good to be true in Jesus? Let them say what they want. The Bible even talks about that, that, that you be so much like the Lord, you be so much of a Christian that when the evil people speak against you, they are the fool. Bible tells you to be that good in God, as in loving him, walking in him, no fear of who you are. Keep going. All right. And that, of course, we say no other gods before him. 
when you put yourself before the people, when you put your opinion above them, when you think you're the right one and they're the wrong one and that's the way it's going to be, you've put a God before our God. You become the God. And God doesn't, God does not do well with you in that position. So anyway, going on to the big handout that looks a bit bizarre, as I said last week, I couldn't get it to print the whole page, which it looks really cool when it takes up the whole page, but in this case, it's a stripe. So, I don't know, you can cut it and use it for a flag or something like that. So we want to talk about um, youth on the street. I have seven minutes. You sure we have to end at 7.30? <laughs> I don't know if you realize this, but Oregon is one of the hot spots for human trafficking of children. The Highway 97 is an absolutely death trap corridor leading from California. They get to the 97 and then they head up and then go across to Portland and then they deliver their cargo to Seattle. Portland is one of the biggest places where uh, child sex trafficking occurs. It's coming right through your town and you don't know it. But what we want to point out here, and this is going to the fact that, that kids who are concerned about who they are this is another reason you must save them. You could be the one answer that keeps them from being dead tomorrow because some guy bought them, used them, and then they killed themselves. And it's not a joke. Gay kids who are, or kids who come out as uh, identifying as LGBT or Q are lost and we don't know what to do. When I was in that condition, in that state of mind, I didn't know what else to do. I just knew to trust the people who said that they would be good to me. You need to be that person. So anyway, as you can see through here, let's talk about homeless gay kids. It says here that there's 610,000 plus estimated homeless individuals. And of the number of youth homeless, uh, there's 46,900. And then if you go on down, uh, mine's in pages, but yours just follows. Uh, it talks about life as an LGBTQ kid. Uh, on the street. So 42% of these youth say the community in which they live is not accepting. 42%? Man, that's, that's an easy place to walk around and say, do you like gay people? No. Nope. You like gay people? No. Nope. 42% of the time, that's, that's rough. 26% of, of youth say one of their biggest problems is not being accepted by their family. Um, we have a ministry that, that's directed directly at that because we still hear about gay kids that are thrown out by their, and I hate to use this word, Christian family. To me, that's not Christian because that's not Christ-like. Christ would have never done that, ever. I don't care what they just said. I mean, unless they were going to kill you, I suppose you might have to leave, but that's not what they said. Um, they get, they're more, phys more often physically assaulted at school. 40% of LGBT kids, uh, of the homeless youth, are, are gay kids. So if you've got 60 or 70,000 and 40% are gay, and, and then of that, these, these kids think that their family doesn't want them. I mean, we're talking about the ultimate rejection. I've been there. I know what that is. I know what it's like to have the church tell me to get out, that God hates me. Those words. I know what it's like to have family say, you have to leave. I know what it's like to be invited in by family and told, you have to leave. We decided we don't like you. This is darkness, and you're the light, and you need to be the, the, the foundation 
that saves these kids. You need to be the safety net, the Holy Spirit of God, to, to save them. So if you look through here about rejection, it says family rejection, 46%. Forced out by parents, 43%. Um, abused at home. You can see the abuse thing is actually pretty, pretty low, comparatively speaking. Uh, aged out of foster care, and that's a tragedy in our society. Foster care, what a great thing. Day you turn 18, out. You know why? Checks ended on that day. The people already got their last check. You're over. Goodbye. It's Wednesday. You're 18. We're out of here. And it's not a joke. When I worked in Colorado, I worked with foster kids, and it was horrifying when they would come to work on their 18th birthday just exhausted from tears because they were going to the street now, and that wasn't a joke. Um, neglect. Moving right along, it goes into substance abuses. The gentleman would be able to relate to this. But look at the numbers. 58.7% of, of gay homeless kids um, are sexually victimized. Um, they, the suicide rate is crazy. The highest suicide rate is boys from 13 to, what is it? It's 11. The highest suicide demographic in the world is uh, boys who identify as gay or same-sex attracted from the ages of 11 to 14. That was it. So all these kids are blowing their heads off. So you're lucky that we've only had a few here in Bend. And just so you know, we're, we're going to be in one of the schools in Bend, and we hope you'll support us. Summit. We'll be in Summit. And we're going to bring life to these kids, and we're going to bring Jesus. Anyway, uh, so here's some of the stuff at the very bottom. It talks about where can people get help. Drop-in centers, you know, um, uh, where, they, where these kids can end up. Not a whole lot. And then when you finish the page, it's got where is there a place to go. Well, there's nothing really out here on the West. In fact, there is. California has one place, but for the most part, there's nothing. My point being, if you met this homeless 18-year-old that was obviously scared, would you bring them home? If you met a 15-year-old girl who's just a mess, would you try to talk to her? Remember, what you're talking to is their hurt. You're not talking to their sin. I don't care. You shouldn't care what they're going to do wrong in your opinion. You should care what you're going to do wrong what you're going to do wrong in God's opinion. The Bible even says that in James. Not to send somebody who asks for a meal, who are, you know needs a meal. Do not send them away with a prayer or a good word. He says, feed them. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. So I just hope you'll take a serious look at this. This isn't just about, oh, the gays are making me do this. This is about people are dying, souls are being lost, and we need to understand how to get to that demographic. And you're here because you love those people, because you want to know, because you care about it as much as we do. Let me dare lump you into our little club here. You guys are free indeed. And that's how we see you. We didn't come here to just give a bunch of speeches. We came here to gain friends and to know more of our family of faith so that when you call, I can be there. 
When you ask me, how do I get a loaf of bread to this kid? I'm not going to tell you, well, just throw a rock at them, and when they pass out, they won't know they're hungry. Right? So I thank you for being here. It's 7.30. So let's just, let's pray real quick. Lord, we thank you, because you're amazing. (laughs) Your love endures forever. And because we are free in you, We have the opportunity to live free and express freedom and bring fear to its knees and cast it away, Lord. So I thank you for those who are here and pray that you would just cover them and protect them. Let this resonate in their hearts, Lord, and let them be free to ask more questions. Come back next week, bring friends, and hear what you have to say about your love for a very special time in our lives. Before you return, Lord, let the revival of grace begin. Let the revival shake the timbers of the church that we would be seen as lights of the world. In your name, Jesus, amen. If anybody has any questions, we're going to hang around, okay? Especially if that one person we didn't get to. Uh, We do have the source. We we have the the picture file for that graph thing. Um, For those of you who couldn't read this, when I upload the... The, the session to our website. I'll put the picture up there too so you can see it blown up, full-sized. Thank you, everybody. <laughs>